Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1244 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday. Today's podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered the season with all the props, odds, and lines that you could possibly imagine. Bet Online is where the game starts. And today's show will be myself and Glenn Willis talking about some players once again on the podcast. Today's show will be sort of a smorgasbord. Uh, Glenn joined me earlier in the offseason to talk about John Collins and Diddle Gallinari. We'll have much more to come on DeAndre Hunter and Kevin Herter and all those players in the future. But today's edition is the sort of third teamers on this roster from this season, the guys who didn't play a whole lot uh, that kind of run the gamut from TLC and Kevin Knox to also the more future-facing pieces, Skylar Mays, Sharif Cooper, and, of course, Jalen Johnson. So we have a conversation about all of those guys on today's podcast. And, of course, we have much more coming in the future. Also to come, draft coverage. We've already talked to a couple of people on the show about the drafts. Andrew Kelly most recently last week. And by the way, Andrew Kelly joined us also for a two-part fake trade extravaganza at the end of last week, which was definitely worth listening to or watching on YouTube. Uh, and that's a, a lot of fun reactions to that one, as I thought was going to be the case. And fake trades, not always my thing, but they are Andrew's things. So we sort of talked about that for more than an hour last week. And uh, generally speaking, offseason is very busy, even in the space. No games going on, but we try to stay busy with four or five episodes per week still, try to get you through the offseason. And then maybe in the dead zone, we'll sort of slow it down a little bit into August and September. But for now, full steam ahead on the Atlanta Hawks and across the basketball world. So please subscribe to the podcast across platforms. That includes Apple and Spotify, YouTube, of course, and other places. Leave five-star reviews and ratings, etc. And after the intro, you'll hear myself and Glenn Willis talking about all kinds of players on the Hawks roster this season. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am joined once again by my friend, Glenn Willis, who's been uh, helping me out quite a bit recently. And uh, thank you for coming back, Glenn, to talk about some uh, some more player observations from this last year. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thanks for having me back. Looking forward to it. Should be fun. Uh, you know, our, our, our plan uh, on this particular podcast people are listening to now is to talk about uh, all kinds of guys. You know, there are the prominent rotation players. You know, there are basically 10, maybe 11 of those guys on the roster from this year. And uh Elsewhere, there were other guys who didn't play a lot, but there are a couple guys, especially that we'll talk about on this show, that are very intriguing future-facing guys. So these might be a little bit different in terms of the player capsule evaluations. A lot of the other ones are kind of what happened this year, whereas this one, we'll, we'll sort of acknowledge that. But for guys like Sharif Cooper, for example, he didn't play enough to really have huge observations at the NBA level. So it's almost future-facing in College Park and uh, sort of a smattering. So a lot of different guys to touch on here. Um I actually want to kind of start with Sharif, who played the least, just to kind of uh, talk about him early on. He's obviously one of the more intriguing guys for fans, and we'll kind of save Jalen Johnson for a little bit later. But uh, Sharif Cooper had an interesting season. He played 39 minutes for the Hawks this year, which didn't surprise me. You know, they, of course, had Trey Young and Lou Williams and DeLon Wright, and uh, they didn't necessarily need to go to Sharif. But, of course, he's uh, definitely a hype prospect and a great pick in my mind when they got him and all that stuff. He played 34 games in the G League as well. Played pretty well, um, had some decent numbers in the G League, averaged like 17 points, almost seven assists a game, shot it okay, not great, but definitely solid enough for his standards. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to recite all of Sharif's scouting report from College Park, Glenn, but uh, <laughs> what, what do you make of anything that you happen to see from him? And sort of also, broadly speaking, like, does it bother you that he didn't play more? Because for me, it was a kind of inevitable, but at the same time, I know a lot of Hawks fans would like to see him more. Yeah, I mean, um, 
I, could he have played more? I think maybe a little. I mean, you know, there may have been times where they could have gotten him out there uh, a few more minutes. Um, I, I think what bothered me a little more about even when he was on the court was they didn't let him really run the offense. He'd come down yeah. and give the ball up, run to the corner, and maybe maybe come back into the play. Um, and so I just wish they would have given him some actual live NBA reps on offense, you know, when, when he was on the court. Um, I caught a decent amount, I mean, of his uh, G League games, um, probably close to 10 of them. Um, and I thought he had a good uh, a good season there. I thought he made progress. Um, one thing that um, I thought limited him from being a potential guy that could be in the rotation, uh, generically speaking, uh, you know, the point guard depth aside that you just mentioned, which is that he's just a little bit slow, a little methodical uh, kind of coming into the season. Now, we know he's, from a skill set standpoint and talent standpoint, he's quick. He has, he has some burst in the first step and, you know, all those sorts of things. But he, you know, the NBA pace is a thing that young guys have to acclimate to, even point guards. And I, I thought he acclimated and kind of moved well uh, along in that area. So I think he had a, a fine, you know, first season in the organization. I thought it was good that uh, they were able to, uh, you know, use the nearby uh, G League affiliate now to get him a lot of yep. runtime down there. And such, I thought the offense they ran in College Park, a lot of five-out stuff is suitable for, for example, how they might play with Okongwu, you know, more down the road or, or integrating Collins a little bit differently. You and I talked about him potentially, depending on how the, the roster direction playing more at center and stuff. So I thought that was good, too. Um and such, but you know, it's funny that when I think about Sharif, um, with the NBA watching we're doing right now, I look at like what's going on in Miami using a guy like Gabe Vincent, a guy like Jalen Brunson in Dallas, you know, and, and and there are other examples too. It's just that's, that's kind of what we're seeing. And you know, one criticism I have of the organization over the last whatever five years is that they haven't valued their second round picks enough. They haven't kind of gotten gotten guys like Sharif maybe when they've had opportunities to do so to bring them in and have them kind of in that development pipeline. So, uh, you know, I, when, when you see teams that have reached the conference finals this year, kind of the way that the Hawks did last year, but they're using guys like Dorian Finney Smith undrafted, like I mentioned, Brent's in a second round pick and a really prominent role on offense for Dallas. And there's a number of guys, you know, that are examples on the Miami side and such that, that, makes me wish well first of all it makes me hopeful for Sharif and what he can bring to the team but it also makes me want to believe that maybe they're going to uh, kind of swing back toward using those um you know mid-round second picks and, and maybe even potentially get a little bit more productive uh with their undrafted guys so I, I hope he's on a good track I think he is very capable of being a rotation player in the league Probably not this year, um, maybe some exposure there, but by the end of year two, going into year three, I think it's, he could be a very capable second, uh, a backup point guard and so some good stuff. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with all of that. I think that um, I would be intrigued to see how he would fare if he was just given a role. And that was never going to happen on this year's team. As we kind of knew um, for a team that's trying to win and uh, rookie point guards. As much as I said, as much as I say the rookies are bad, rookie point guards are even worse generally. Uh, rookie point guards just have a lot on their shoulders and uh, being a one and done guy. And I still believe in the upside. I think he can be a starting point guard down the line potentially. Not for the Hawks because they just have Trey Young and he's that's that's kind of the thing about drafting him, which we talked about a lot a year ago. Was like you know 
it's great to have him close to home, but also like in terms of organizationally, there's only so much upside he can bring to the Hawks in particular because of just Trey's presence. Um, but I think that obviously, you know, taking him where they did was a good idea. And I, I saw some flashes too. Uh, he had some rough times like most guys do, even in the G league, it's not, it's, it's not the greatest competition in the world, but it's still better than college basketball. And you're faced with different, um, challenges and things and you know, defensively I thought, I thought he competed pretty well I, I agree with you it's sort of a small sample weird thing but even in garbage time it would have been cool to see him like run some offense and we mentioned that during the season at times when he was playing and um, he did play you know basically a half season in college park um, 34 games is a, is a pretty decent sample of professional basketball that's good to see him like performing well and doing that um, I'll be interested to see if they give him sort of that third role next year um, obviously, he's technically going to be a free agent. That's kind of been overlooked. I know I talked about it a few times because he's only on a one-year, two-way contract. I would certainly imagine he's back either on a two-way again or on a uh, multi-year minimum, something like that contract, but not for sure. I mean, I think it's going to happen, uh, but I think it'll be interesting for me if they just um, – obviously, he's not going to be the number two point guard next year. That would kind of stun me for a team that's trying to win. But let's just say, you know, Lou retires or Lou leaves or whatever, and they bring DeLon back or something like that. Do you just kind of plan on him being your third guy? Whereas this year he was really the fourth guy, maybe even the, maybe even the fifth guy at times. I wonder if that's a role that they'd be comfortable with going into the season with only two guys ahead of him, which I'd be fine with, I think, just because of the investment in him. But like, realistically, you're one injury away from him having to play, you know, 15 minutes a game, which I'm not sure if they're comfortable with yet. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I would be shocked if he's somewhere else. I mean, I mean, we don't have to get into the details, but yeah. – a, He's two way, <laughs> a guy on a two-way, a guy on a two-way contract going into a sixth free agency is messy, and it's it's really hard for those guys to yeah. um, kind of get away from a team if, if the team wants to retain them. Um, but I, you know, I I, I think he's um, uh, the kind of player that could grow, you know, uh, not too far down the road into being able to replicate enough of what they asked Trey to do in terms of um, kind of working with the bigs and pick and roll, you know, being uh, effective at kind of reading uh, how the defense is playing that and, and, and creating leverage on offense, not suggesting he's going to be an all-star like Trey, but I'm with you. I think like he's a guy, like if he's a full fledged starter by like year five or something like that, that is not going to surprise me at all. And that's a, that's a great uh, young player to kind of have in your development pipeline. And, and hopefully that's something that they, kind of continue this year i'm looking forward to seeing him in summer league presumably we'll we'll see him there um and just to kind of and that might be the first chance for uh a lot of hawks fans to kind of see him for the first time uh apart from his garbage time minutes uh since last year's summer league so uh last year they played a lot through Jalen uh in, in vegas and things like that and it would be uh, fun to kind of see him just be given the keys this time and 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 Fun to see how that goes for him. Today's show is brought to you by Sakara and filling your best breath with what you eat. Sakara helps you live a healthy and balanced lifestyle and truly enjoy doing it with delicious, plant-rich, transformational nutrition that builds a foundation for living in your best body. Sakara is a wellness company that's anchored in food and medicine, and it's on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. And Sakara gives you the tools that you need to transform your life with their organic, ready-to-eat meal delivery program and functional wellness essentials. They have nutritionally designed chef guides breakfast, lunches, and dinners, and they're made with powerful plant-rich ingredients to help you boost your energy, support your, your digestion, curb your sugar cravings, and get your skin absolutely glowing. And plus, it's delivered right to your door, and it's ready to eat. Sakara's functional plant-rich wellness essentials help you create a body that you absolutely love to live in. And their best-selling metabolism super powder to the foundation, their daily supplement packs, Sakara's products are designed to help you support your wellness goals anytime, anywhere. 
And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off on their first order when they go to sakara.com slash locked on 20 or enter code locked on 20 at checkout. That is Sakara, spelled S A K A R A dot com slash locked on 20, 20% off off their first order at sakara.com. One more time, that is sakara.com slash locked on 20. I want to move on to his uh, backcourt mate in a lot of ways, uh, Skylar Mays, and we'll kind of couple quickly, probably a little bit quicker on these, just because it's Skylar Mays, Kevin Knox, and TLC are on the agenda in terms of guys who played. TLC actually played a lot, but at the time, you know, just given where he is in the organization, we're kind of looping him in here as well. But Mays kind of had a weird season in that he was with the Hawks most of the year, but also not playing. He played 220 minutes for the year, which isn't like a zero number, but certainly not part of the rotation after playing a lot more the previous year. Um, and they kind of gave him the choice, kind of like they did with the other guys. Like, do you want to be up for the team? And um, he was certainly their emergency guy that they were more comfortable with. And I think it would have been less productive for him to play G League minutes than Sharif, for instance, who they actually they obviously wanted Sharif to play. That made a lot of sense. Skylar is a young player, but he's not so young. As you well know, Glenn, he's a he's a veteran young guy. He's, what was he, 25, something like that already. So I wonder what you make of him because he, they also called him up um, officially to a full contract at the end of the year, making him a free agent again. And uh, I'm intrigued by his future as well. I kind of long thought that Skyler was a rotation caliber guard on certain teams. Like if the Hawks had less depth, if he was your fourth or fifth guard, that wouldn't bother me at all. Uh, I think he's a solid guy. The upside's a little bit limited, but I think that he could be used more than he has been. Uh, I think honestly, he might have been better than Lou at certain points this year, and they didn't—they didn't, they didn't do that for you know clear reasons. Lou being, Lou being a veteran and all that stuff, but it was kind of a hidden season for Mays because even even the diehards that watch a lot of college park basketball, he just didn't play a lot there either. Yeah, yeah, he's um, just a competent guy, and, and and in terms of what a person kind of thinks of him being on a two-way contract as he was for most of the season, depends on what your philosophy is around two-way contracts. Do you want um, what us older guys might call a, a taxi player that can kind of go back and forth as you need him to and come in and play some, be responsible in some real rotation minutes if there are injuries or um, or what have you and things like that, or is your philosophy that you want to keep those two slots um, for true developmental guys where guys have kind of a, a, they're not as advanced from a skill set perspective, but they have more size than Skyler has more speed, more athleticism, and just need an opportunity to work with the NBA coaching staff, to kind of bring the skill set along. Um, I've, so, so a lot of it just comes down to your philosophy. For me, I am most excited that he's not ending the season on a two-way contract. You could tell yeah. from the timing of that he held out for a long time last summer trying to see if he could do better than a two-way contract. Now he's truly freed up to kind of go chase an actual contract from whoever might give that uh, to him. Uh, I won't be shocked if he's if he's not back, but just because um, he's a guy, again, that I think the thing that always works against, has always worked against him in Atlanta to a degree is that it's hard to put him on the court with Trey unless you're playing, uh, you know, minutes. He's playing minutes. Um where the other team has most of their reserves on. And it's just size, lack of size, lack of athleticism. Although he's, he has a little bit of sneaky athleticism that'll show up now and then <laughs> yeah. and how he finishes at the rim, you know, and things like that. But, but you know, for coaches that just want to be able to throw a 13th or 14th guy in their roster on the court and know they know how to play basketball. They know what we need from them. They will stay within the role that we're asking them to fill. To me, that is like the epitome of what Skyler is. And there's a lots, lots of room for that on NBA rosters around the league. He absolutely knows what he's doing. He knows how to play. He knows what's needed of him. He can do that, um, even if he doesn't have the size to, to maybe never be 
a guy who's going to be your seventh or eighth guy in your rotation all, all the time. Uh, and just, you know, a lot of his athleticism you'll see is kind of um, straight line stuff where he gets to the rim a little faster, where he actually gets a, a little verticality, a little bit the, the surprising with the lateral quickness and stuff that shows up on D is a little bit limiting. But uh, I'm excited to see him get a, a real contract and real opportunity, wherever that might be this, this offseason. Yeah, he's a pro, and uh, one of the things that he's even acknowledged even last year at Summer League when I talked to him a few times, I'm like, I wish he was just a better shooter. That's the thing about Mays. Like, because he's not the greatest athlete, he's not the biggest guy in the world, he doesn't have enough offense in some in certain ways because he's not, he's not a great shooter either. And that's just one of those things. Like, if he was 6'6", it'd be a lot easier in a lot of ways. Or if he was a great shooter, it'd be a lot, a lot easier in a lot of ways. And he's neither one of those things. And I like him, but he, and he is well-rounded. And then on the flip side, he doesn't have these great weaknesses either. Like he does kind of do everything pretty well, but uh, it's just kind of tough for him to like carve out that definite role. And I'm glad you mentioned the, the two-way thing because uh, he is restricted. So if the Hawks want to bring him back, they could just give him the qualifying offer, but it has to be at least the minimum. So like if they want to, if they want Skylar back, that's the decision they have to make kind of now. Like, whereas last time offering him a two-way qualifying offer was a, was a no-brainer. You just go ahead and do that. He's too good to not offer that. Yeah. But now, if you offer him a, a, a minimum contract, he can just take it and now he's on your roster. So you have to actually want him to be on your team, and I think they probably do, but it's not a, not a given anymore either. So, yeah, I'd be intrigued about bringing him back. And like I said before, I think he, uh, yeah, he turns 25 in September, so before the season starts next year, as much as he's only going to be in his third season. I like Mays. I think he's a great end of bench guy. And uh, to what you said earlier, the Hawks philosophy in the last, you know, in the time of two way contract is that they generally have at least one guy on the two way that is more of that plug and play veteran. I mean, veterans, a loose term, but you know what I mean? Like more of that plug and play lower upside piece. You know, it was Josh Majet, It was Tyler Cavanaugh and going back all those ways. And now even Shawnee Brown, who they signed to a two way for next year is a very similar guy. Shawnee Brown's not the most high upside guy in the world, but they liked him when they brought him in during the COVID madness. And uh, that's kind of what they've done for the most part. Now, on the other side, they had Sharif this year, who's definitely more of a developmental guy, more of a ceiling play. But they drafted him, and he kind of fell in their lap too. I think organizationally, it does seem like they lean toward kind of just having those guys as emergency-level players that, mm-hmm. they, that they can trust. I don't, I don't know if that's yeah. the right thing to do, but that's what I, I, Yeah, and, I think, and, I, and the, on the contract point, it's, it's you know, some listeners might think, well, just – make a qualifying offer. The decision to make really is, do you want him on a fully guaranteed contract? On a roster spot, right? Yep. Right, right. Because he might be a guy who's more on a guy who gets a contract that's not fully guaranteed until the second week of January when the, those, the league requires contracts to be converted. The, the TLC uh, in, contract in that, from this year. Exactly, uh, and the Solomon Hill from the prior year, right? Year. Yep. Right, so so that's that's where the, the decision is there, I think, I think for the Hawks, which may – Make it a little more likely he lands somewhere else on a contract that's not fully guaranteed until second week of January. That could that could happen. Um, it also depends, I think, partly on, you know, do they think do they think Sharif can be the third guy all year long? Because if that's the case, then there's probably less uh, need to use their roster spot on on Skyler, who can who could be that third guy presumably um, if they feel like Sharif's not ready to go right at the beginning of the season. So it, I think it's I think he probably lands somewhere else probably. Um, but if it is, I hope it's a great situation for him where he gets more opportunity than he did here, and I'll, I'll be rooting for him. 
Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online, and our partners at Bet Online have the number one source for all sports betting needs and information that you absolutely cannot live without this year and beyond. They have the latest odds, news, and developments across the sports world. That includes this year's NBA playoffs, still ongoing right now, Major League Baseball scores and odds. They have all the stuff that you want on fights and next season's futures in the NFL, college football, even college basketball, and across the board. Bet Online is the continued source for all the wagering information that you need in sports, and that includes live betting. They have casino games, they have poker, they have all the esports that you want playoff viewpoints and much more and beyond that that allies other sports that have you covered across the board that includes golf and tennis auto racing horse racing soccer cricket hockey of course entertainment bets and any sport you can possibly think of but online has it all and head there right now today on a computer and mobile device to learn more about all the trends and the action across the sports world but online where the game starts from there i want to get into quickly anyway uh tlc and knox Two guys who are expiring contracts, um, clearly different paths. You know, Knox is a former lottery pick. TLC kind of bounced around and was on that non-guaranteed deal we talked about earlier, uh, but ended up playing a lot. Uh, he was the guy Nate trusted more than everybody else that he had of, of his options. Played almost 700 minutes this year. Shot the ball okay. TLC did. Not, not the greatest guy at anything in particular, though. I, I want to hear your thoughts on what he could actually do or not do, but clearly an end-of-roster guy that they're not terribly attached to. Knox, they trade in the deal they sorry they acquire in the deal for cam reddish but only played 111 minutes with the hawks didn't play a ton um definitely a more familiar name i know a lot of hawks fans were like calling for more knocks at times because he's just you know he's, he's a good athlete he's recognizable still pretty young now uh the thing, the thing with Knox is uh to make him restricted they have to offer him a qualifying offer which i just cannot imagine happening it's like nine million dollars and that's not going to happen uh, he's not worth anything remotely approaching that so you have to let him not go off that so which, which means to me he'll, he'll be unrestricted as well so those two guys uh were battling for minutes this year not huge pieces of the future but i wonder if you're intrigued by any of them in terms of bringing them back i know every once in a while i'll hear someone that has uh, knocks in their plans for the hawks but uh, i wonder what you make of those two guys yeah, I mean, for so I guess maybe start with TLC because he was there all year long. I I thought he gave them what sh- should have been the expectation this year. Just you know, kind of overusing the word here with some of these guys, but competent, you know, like guy, <laughs> good, good, good enough shooter that um, if you leave him wide open, he's going to knock down enough of those. Um, and then on defense, he's uh, he's big. I think he's bigger than, than some people would you know think he is. Um, where I would contrast TLC and Knox is that TLC is a better health defender. He's better kind of pulling in from the weak side and using some of his size and strength. He's a little stronger in the post when he gets caught down there. He's a little better rebounder um, because of his strength um, and probably because of all the experience he had playing in Europe. Um, and so I, you know, I thought, I know fans, I heard a lot during the season, and I'm sure you did too. Like, why <laughs> is TLC playing? Why is he playing? You know, yes. it's like, you know, He's, he's a competent option. He knows what he's doing. He knows where to be. He knows where to play. And a little bit like Skyler, he's going to stay within that. And, and it's kind of funny, if you look across his career, he's gotten up an impressive number of, like, three-point shots for the, for the minutes he's played. He's not afraid to shoot. And that, that that's critical. On the Knox side, where I contrast these two is Knox is, a, is going to be more capable of, like, keeping a ball handler in front, where TLC is a guy you don't really want uh, at the point of attack a lot. Yeah. And that's where, you know, and so that's the difference that I see there. And when you're, when you're thinking about a wing, um, I think, you know, depending on the team and kind of how you're playing defense, some teams might say, I need a guy who could hold up at the point of attack and give me what 10 minutes a game, like Knox might be able to. Other teams might say, I want someone who can help off the ball and show up on time and all the different help spots and things like that. So 
that's how I would contrast those. I, I don't know if Knox ever develops the confidence as a shooter that he'll need to have to actually you know, like be a rotation guy. That's the um, area of his game that is going to decide whether he uh, kind of progresses more towards being uh, a guy who can play more. TLC has that willingness to shoot and that team-mindedness on defense, and that's always going to, I think, give him an opportunity to kind of be in that 11-12 spot uh, on a roster and be a guy that is in the rotation sometimes, not the rotation time, sometimes depending on injuries, fouls, all that other stuff. But I, I don't think any team that has serious ambitions is ever going to see TLC as one of their top, like, nine guys or so. No. But perfectly acceptable in that 11-12 whatever range. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point, and that's one that I was trying to make throughout the season when I, I was getting uh, sort of by proxy yelled at for Jalen not playing in particular. And I went down this road a number of times. We'll get to Jalen in a second. But Jalen, for better or worse, was treated as a big by the Hawks. He was never going to play the three this year. That was never going to happen. They said as much multiple times. And, um, you know, TLC got a lot of flack because he's not a great player. He's not a great player. He's not. But for what they paid, which was a non-guaranteed minimum, he's what you want. He's a guy that can be your sixth wing. If you have two injuries, he's going to play for you and not kill you. He's fine. He's not great. Uh, he's a willing shooter, like you said. He's Defensively, he's not terrible. But there'll be moments when you kind of mentioned his on-ball stuff. Like, if he's going Jimmy, but- Jimmy Butler one-on-one, like, he's going to, he's got no chance of doing that. Um, and that's tough. Like, and sometimes he had, to, he had to have those assignments. It was kind of a weird situation for the Hawks this year at times. So um, I think the way you described it is perfect. Like, for what you invested, he's what you get. And that's not great. It's not terrible. It's not his fault. He's just kind of fine. Uh, and Knox, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. Um, Knox had, had, I think, was like two or three games where he just went nuts in fourth quarters uh, and like in garbage time. Just kind of funny. There was there was the one game during the season where it was not garbage time. And he had a big game. Uh, but for the year for the Hawks, he shot 19, 19% from three. And I think people, people kind of forget that because he had those barrages. But he he did not want to shoot, and he didn't shoot well in his small sample size with the Hawks. And Knox is an offensive player. As funny as that is, as a former lottery pick, like offense is the problem with Knox more than defense is. Uh, he's not really a guy who does a lot well on offense right now. He's not a good passer for the position even. Uh, he's not that willing of a shooter. Um, if it looks great, it looks great. And he is like, look, there's the pedigree is there for Knox as a former like the Donald American and lottery pick and all that stuff. But I think you got to treat with what he actually is. Plus, you know, they traded for him, yes. But he was really just salary ballast in that trade for Ken Reddish. Uh, they might have liked Kevin Knox too as a flyer. That's definitely possible. But that trade, even and Travis even said this, that trade was for the pick. It wasn't for Kevin Knox. Uh, we kind of we can kind of acknowledge that. We'll see if they'll bring him back. Um, but for me, he's a minimum player until he proves otherwise. Um, I think that might I, I could see a team maybe with less aspirations than the Hawks, maybe giving him a little bit more than that as a future facing play. But if you're the Hawks and you have all this money. Um, already spent on a lot of different guys, you can't afford to pay more than the minimum for someone like Kevin Knox as a developmental piece. Because that's what he still is. I mean, I know he's been in the league for four years. Um, and Knox is only 22. He'll be 23 in August. Like, he's a very young player. He's, like, just just for comparison's sake, he's a lot younger than, like, DeAndre Hunter, for instance. Like, he's he's a really young guy still. But he's still a pure development piece, even after four years. So, that's where we are. Yep. Yep. Agreed. I, I would expect TLC to – Hope to get a full same uh, thing. Full He's contract somewhere. somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Right, do better than that partially guaranteed. And then Knox, you know, depending upon if like I think he's going to be looking at oh here's a team that might have a great opportunity for me, but they're not going to give me a guaranteed contract. Or this other team that might give me a guaranteed contract that you know a lot a lot of teams that will look at a guy like Knox is a team that's bringing in a young guy to play the position, and they're like we need someone to play the first 25 to 30 games while we're getting our young guy 
kind yeah. of settled in or what have you. A rebuilding that's, team would be would make sense for him too. Just right. Because but, you but can't rely on him being good. Yeah, but then he he probably knows like, okay, my job is to hold that spot in the rotation down until the young guy's ready to go and then I'm out of the rotation. And the good thing about his reputation on the league for getting a, a maybe a contract like that is he's a team guy. There's no question about that. He's not going to give yeah. you problems if he's not playing. So you know, it'll be interesting where both those guys land, but um, as is my brand, I'm, I'm rooting for them to be in as good a situation as possible. <laughs> Certainly. No, I agree. And uh, definitely heard good stuff about both those guys. I mean, they seem to get along well in the locker room for both TLC and Knox. And clearly, you know, every roster, not every, most rosters have at least a guy, two, three, that are just not part of the future. They're just kind of there for the year. Um, another example that we'll probably get to in another podcast is Gorgie Zhang this year, who they they signed for a very specific role because Okongwu was hurt, and that's why they paid him more than the minimum. They brought him in to be the backup for 30 games, and that was why he was around. He's a vet, all that stuff, and that's just kind of the roster uh, ins and outs throughout the course of, a, of an NBA season. Um, let's just end this with with Jalen. Uh, you know, Jalen obviously played not a lot, uh, actually played less than Skylar Mays with the Hawks this year, um, played a little bit more than Knox did, but not, not by much. But he did have great G League numbers, just for a reference point here for Jalen Johnson. Uh, in 21 games for College Park across the uh, across the two sort of mini seasons for the for the Skyhawks, he averaged 21 points, 11.4 rebounds, four assists, and about a steal and a half and a block and a half per game, and shot it decently well from three, 37%. Uh, only 47% from the floor, which isn't great on huge volume, but not terrible either. Some weird free throw shooting, like 58% from the line for Johnson this year. That's a little bit shaky for someone you want to be a better shooter than that, but certainly put up numbers in the G League. Now, I'll let you speak to this too, Glenn, but G League numbers do not necessarily translate always, but you still want him to put those numbers up. And that's what I would say. Like, it doesn't tell you that he's going to be great at the NBA level, but it does tell you that he's able to put up numbers when he's the number one, number two option in, in the G League at 19 years old. And that's not nothing. Like the fact that he was able to do that, is an encouraging sign for sure. So I don't know if you even saw anything that worth, that's worth even talking too much about in Atlanta, but uh, just because he didn't play enough, he didn't play enough. But uh, the floor is yours on Jalen Johnson. Yeah, the the only thing to note is that when he got more opportunity in the last month of the season, it felt like it was like about about that. Yeah, that he he actually showed that he had learned a lot about where on defense how to function off ball tagging the roller on time, being at the rim on time, helping at the nail with the dig or on time. Um, and so, I, I mean, when he started the season on a scale of like one to a hundred on defensive readiness, <laughs> I would have maybe given him like a three. It was low. Know? Yeah. He, he <laughs> it was really low. And that's no why idea. he didn't play just not, not to stop you, but I know we yeah. talked about this offline, online, offline, but people always ask us like, you know, why aren't they playing Jalen Johnson? And you can argue with this all you want to, if you'd like, but if you're Ned McMillan, that is the reason he wasn't playing was that was defensive yeah. know-how experience, awareness, all that stuff. That was, that was the weakness of Jalen Johnson this year. Right. And then we could talk about how little he played in his one year at Duke, right. And, uh, and yeah. other parts of his developmental track coming into there. Um, but that, I mean, I was just, just really impressed with how far he came uh, in that area. Now, in those games, also there were a few times where the opposing team would put him in the primary action, and he was were still really bad in that area. You know, in that area, which is going to be a limitation for him. Um, but you know, a whole summer, hopefully, some time in Vegas, and then hopefully a full camp this year. We having a quote first normal off season we've had in a while. Could hopefully be a, a really big deal for him and help him continue to kind of move move the needle there. Um, 
And, you know, it's funny because I, I, I imagine you heard the same thing I heard on Twitter all year long is, well, at least he's athletic. And at least he can do this and do that. You know, it's yep. just like when I hear that, I feel like people uh, maybe don't understand it. Uh, and understandably, like if you have a guy who's out there making mistakes all the time on defense, it kills you. And it totally frustrates the other four guys who are working hard to kind of function from a team defense standpoint. And, and I know Nate, probably takes that as far as any coach in the league in terms of having no tolerance for that. Right. And then there's, yeah. I think some fair criticism you know, in that area probably. Um, but at the same time, fans who think like, well, he'll just at least recover from his mistakes with athleticism. That's just not how it works. You've got to have five guys who at a minimum have all of the basics down pat and are reliable decision makers, communicators, all that stuff. And he was just a long, long way away. So I, you know, I, I think he's a lot more ready now uh, from what I saw there. They've got to help him figure out how to function when he's his guy becomes the screener in the pick and roll. Um, but I don't see any reason he can't uh, can't uh, make that progress. The, the one other thing I'll note is that I know the you, might, you mentioned the free throw percentage in College Park being weird. I don't know this for sure, but he looked like a, a guy that um, they were working with his shot and, and reworking his shot a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you may remember when he came in, his – release point is kind of right off his forehead almost, yeah. right? And it looks like they were trying to get that release point a little higher. And that, that can show up um, when you're in the middle of that reworking the shot. If, in fact, that's what they were doing. I'm just saying that's what it looked like to me. I don't know that. It's an idea. Yeah, no. Right, right. So the release point looks like they were trying to get it up higher, and that, that takes time to adjust to. So I, 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 I don't have any reason to think he's not going to be uh, a fine shooter uh, for an NBA wing. Yeah, and that's yeah. About. I was gonna say uh, that's actually interesting yeah. too because I, I wonder also, um, you know, part of what we talked about uh, him being tasked to be basically a big all season long. You know, he, he played the five with regularity in College Park. Yeah. It was a situation where they had him playing the three in College Park and then never playing the three in Atlanta. He was a big all year long, and I'm not sure if that's an indication of the future or what they thought he could do as a rookie or what. I kind of I've kind of thought of him as a four primarily um, as a prospect um, with the potential ability to maybe play a little bit of three in the future, but also certainly more of a four. And at the moment, they clearly view him as more of a four closer to a five than a, than a three. Uh, I'm not sure if that's going to change over the summer, maybe into next year. They have him playing a little bit more on the perimeter. But that is uh, that's also worth saying out loud because that's just, you know, it, it informs what you're looking at. And, you know, this Glenn, for listeners sake, um, especially at the NBA level, a guy who you've had in practice and especially even in the G League only playing the big spots, you can't just have that guy, especially a rookie who's never done it, just suddenly be playing the three at the NBA level. That's, that's not realistic. The, the, the roles, the jobs are just so much different across the board, both as, on both ends of the floor, to where that would not have been fair to him. So much as I would have liked to have seen him play more, I thought they probably could have uh, come into the season with more of a plan to get him some minutes. Um, and for me, it was never going to be like – He's in the rotation in capital letters. That was never going to happen for me coming into the year, much less I try to tell people that wasn't going to happen. But like on a night when Gallo was out of the lineup or something, you could have, and they did this a few times, to be fair. Like, and I think you even said this a lot. I'll, I'll throw it to you. Like, it was pretty clear to me when they played him, they did try to get him ready to play in certain matchups and they kind of picked and chose where they were going to try him to play. I just wish it had been a little bit more because you know, look, it's not fair to compare draft slot to how much playing time a guy gets without context because this year's Hawks team, I know it seems like a long time ago was supposed to be super deep and super good this year. Um, But you never want to have a, 
a, a top 20 pick play as little as he did, especially when you did have some injuries. It was like the Hawks were 100% healthy all year long. So I kind of get both sides. It didn't bother me as much as it did for other people. I, I will definitely say that. But they could have been more intentional. And I think that comes potentially from the head coach and his uh, stubbornness or whatever, however you want to say that. It's the wrong right. head coach to have him play. It was never going to happen. And I try to say yeah. that. But it was just interesting the way they handled it all from, from start to finish. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting because I I wonder sometimes if he might bring more value if he slides more towards the three. And the reason I say that is because so many teams need guys of his size and athleticism that can defend the best you know, uh, wings in the league, whether it's, it's a, a Paul yeah. George or, you know, we've thought about LeBron, like, you know, all these years, and, you know, we, we know Kawhi, you know, we know who those, who those guys are, you know, the teams we're watching right now, it's, you know, Luca, right. So, so, but, um, so, you know, I wondered like, okay, when we saw him play so much five at college park, is that the plan? One part of that is that when you're the five, you have to organize, you have to communicate and they might've just thrown him into that role defensively to force him into a role that demands that of him. Yeah, good point. What I say is we'll find, I think we'll find out in Vegas. I think the position they have him playing in summer league this year, even if it's only three games or four or whatever it might be, um, it, it probably the full normal load because he played so little last year, but I think we'll get an idea of what their plan is for next season by seeing how they, uh, um, define his role uh at, at vegas because it makes no sense to play him at five in vegas if he's going to play more right. three and four <laughs> yeah. going into the season so well, I, that was actually that, one that, of the things uh dating back to, to to summer league when i was there and it was matt hill who was the summer league one of the assistants that was summer league coach and i asked him twice during the week you know what was the thought process behind Jalen playing so much center because he he played center and people were surprised by it and i was trying to be the uh sort of the conduit for like, like look you know he's he's playing center everybody like pay attention to this like this is not a, this is not a weird thing this is clearly intentional and he kind of talked around it as as a coach would but i thought it was notable then and then it was like oh he's he's going to play he's a big right now and, and nate said it a few times i know nate not always like the most dialed in guy to the g league but like they clearly wanted him organizationally to play the big spots and i do wonder like cuz you like like what you said is a great idea because him being legitimately 6869 230 super athlete if that guy can play the three for you, it's a huge luxury if he, if he can do it. Um, and offensively, while he, he may not be the greatest shooter, especially at the three, he's comfortable with, with the ball in his hands. Like he, he can be a guy who can have the ball a little bit, create his own shot, create brothers a little bit. So like, yeah, if you can do it, sure, it, it would be great to have that depth. Um, and that's, I think, ultimately you're hoping he can just be like a multi-position guy. And they've said that even at the draft, Travis is like, this guy can play multiple positions. Was, that's great. Um you have to just wait to maybe try it or uh, I don't know. Now I'm, now I'm excited about summer league because you keep mentioning it, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to see what he's going to look like because clearly he'll be there. Clearly Sharif will be there. I would imagine, uh, you know, there'll be other guys. Shawnee Brown will probably be there as, as a guy in yeah. a two-way contract. Whoever they draft this year will be there. They'll have guys there. Maybe a Kongwu for like a game or two. I, he doesn't need it for me, but right. if they want to do that, they can. Uh, there'll be guys to look at, let's just say, for summer league. I, but I, I still think, though, uh, almost more so than the rookie who they draft. I'll be more interested by Jalen Johnson in a lot of ways because he should be, at least you're hoping that he's one of those guys that's like too good to be there. You know this, Glenn. Like there's always like the 10 guys that are like, all right, he doesn't need to play anymore. You're hoping that's Jalen Johnson by the second game yeah. of, uh, of Summer League. Yeah, and if he played 500 minutes last year, that was, I think, be, that would be more likely to happen because he yep. didn't play much at all. I think he'll he'll need all that run. But I, at the same time, you don't want him playing – 
heavy minutes three times in four days. You just don't want to risk the injury. So I'm sure they'll workload manage it and all that sort of stuff. But I think I think for those of us who are anxious to see, like, okay, what is the plan for him from a role position standpoint? Really, this is where I think we'll we'll get the best idea here. That's a that's a good call. I think uh, predictably, Glenn, you and I went longer than I thought. So this is going to wrap up this. Uh, this is going to be a part one of two. I guess in this conversation that we're going to have. But uh, so with that said, please plug anything you got going on. We uh, got going on these five guys. We could we could probably do an hour on Joe Johnson and Shreve Cooper who wanted to. But uh, <laughs> Glenn, uh, f- f- please feel free to plug any work you have. I know it's pl- it's player review season at Peachtree Hoops and other places. But uh, what's going on in your life beyond, beyond this? Yeah, so I, I, uh, we're wrapping up our player reviews there. I wrote uh, John Collins and, and Trey Young. Um, I, I, it's one of the, you, you, you can, you probably not mention anything, but as an editor, you'll know that there are some guys that nobody wants to touch. Like, I remember like the first year I was part of player reviews, I signed up for the Dwight Howard player review. It's like uh-huh. nobody wanted to touch that at all. I remember um, not wanting not wanting to do that. Listen, when I when I was when I was the when I was the editor of Peace Hoops, I would always leave stuff open knowing that I would have to do it if nobody did it. Same with the draft. It's the same thing. There's always a guy or two that nobody wants. And it's like, all right, that's my job. I have to run the I have to run the ship and write this stuff. So yeah. Uh, so so yeah, so I wrote the JC one and then and I wrote the trade one. Um and and the trade ones, I mean, it might as well like it's easy to write, but it's a little challenging to kind of press on up in there. But now now we're moving into draft season and the, and this is the time of year where I start finally getting into the draft class. I've watched a lot of Jaden Ivey this last week and stuff. So I, I don't know that I'll be writing about him, but I'm getting a, my arms around the draft class. And then uh, at Willis underscore Glenn, I'm commenting on these uh, uh, not so close uh, NBA games that we're seeing night to night right now, <laughs> but still interesting to me. So yeah, Peachtree Hoops and at Willis underscore Glenn, you can basically catch everything uh, I have going on. And then Kevin and I are still plugging along with uh, uh, ATL29. Who's Kevin? No, I'm kidding. Uh, Glenn, thank you for joining us on the podcast. As always, for everybody else, please subscribe to the show. We'll have more player capsules. We'll have more NBA draft coverage, et cetera, et cetera, on the show. So check us out, and we'll see you next time.